The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240 AM, 95.9 on your FM dial. Mike Trezza along with Mike Godone will take you for the next hour. A lot to get to. We've got a great show, a big show for you. A huge, giant victory we'll get to later. Jet season opener. Yankees and Mets. Really trying to put the finishing touches on this long six-month season. We'll get to all of it. We've got a special guest in just a couple moments. We'll get to before any of that. Let me say hi to my co-host, the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, great to be here again. You know, on a Sunday night, 8 o'clock, when you have practically every New York sports team in action. Exciting day today for most New York teams. We got it all. We're going to cover it tonight. And like you said, we got a special guest coming in. Can't wait to get going. Yeah, Mike Westoff. We had him just a few weeks ago, but at the time, Mike, neither you nor I had read his book. So now we both read it uh, for just a minute while we're waiting for Mike to uh, call us back. What did you think of the book? Well, the title says it all. Figure it out. You know, it couldn't couldn't be a better title for for coach to to put it in there. Everything he he talks about is figuring it out, and and he did it better than anybody as a special teams coach in the NFL, um, and and does it quite candidly in his book. Yeah, and you know, you and I were talking about this off the air before the show. We said, you know what? It was obvious that Mike Westhoff was not coaching the Jets special team, <laughs> nor the Giants special <laughs> team. A lot of missed field goals, mixed, missed extra points, lousy punts, lousy coverage. I mean, it was bad, Mike. I'm, I'd be curious to see what he has to say about it. And I'm, I'm curious too with him across the board today, NFL play. If you, you know, I watched a lot of red zone earlier and, and it just was a sloppy day in the NFL. I mean, I know that early in any season, you're always going to kind of have those things, but, um, with, with preseason being shorter, with your stars not playing much, it just, it almost had to feel in some, some games it was opening day, but the level of play was like, was preseason. Five one six six two three twelve forty five one six six two three twelve forty. That is the number to get on the mound and throw some high heat at us tonight. We want your phone calls on everything from the Jets, the Giants, the uh, the Mets, the Yankees. We'll take all of it tonight. So while we're waiting for Mike, we'll uh, we'll dig into the Giants for just a couple minutes. I mean, what a win by them today, Mike. Again, we talked about it, you know, off the air before we came in. That that game, that had the feel of a midseason game. It, it was a war out there, and those are the types of games that the Giants have found a way to lose over the years. And then coming in, you know, late touchdown, Brian Dable goes for two. Like we were saying, that's one of those, no, no, no. And then they they go great shovel pass to Saquon Barkley scores. Then you're like, yes. And then what Tennessee comes down, they line up. Big plays, couple of, a couple of terrible penalties by the Giants. They're in field goal range. They miss the field goal. Shades of uh, of the Super Bowls passed with with the Buffalo wide right. Uh, but listen, the the Giants are in are in first place. They're one and zero. They're over five hundred, and all is good in the world. That was the you know it's interesting you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking 
when he missed that 47-yard field yeah. goal. I said, that's Scott the same Norwood. distance as Scott <laughs> Norwood. Uh, but our guest is on the phone with us, so let's bring him in right now. Once again, he was with us about five, six weeks ago. He's kind enough to join us for the second time. He was a special teams coach for the Dolphins, for the Jets, and then at the very end for a couple years with the Saints. He's Mike Westoff, and he joins Mike Trezza and Mike Godone right now on Sports Talk New York. Mike, welcome. Hey, guys, we got, we got all the mics again. <laughs> so uh, Mike and I finally read the book. Coach, it was absolutely fantastic. You know, it's tough to be all things to all people, but reading the book, I found it really funny. I learned a lot reading it, and I was also very inspired reading it. Uh, especially with some of the personal problems and health problems you had to overcome in your life. And um, how much did that relate, that difficulty you had to go through to your success on the football field? That's a good question. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I always looked at it like that um, I, I, I didn't want to let, Anything that I had, an illness or surgeries or whatever, defined who I was. Uh, particularly with, particularly regarding cancer, because it can be so devastating. Uh, keep a sense about who you are, and, and don't let that define you. I remember a doctor up in uh, in Massachusetts talked to me about, you know, he would say, you know, Mike, um, just go to dinner, get out and go. You may not feel great, you may not look perfect. But don't let it define you. And so I think I did that. I think that was something that I really worked at. I wanted to, to work hard at accomplishing that, and, and I did it. And so I used it as just a – I wasn't any different than the hundreds of other people that I witnessed every time I walked into one of those hospitals. And I thought, I'm the same guy, and I just have to figure out a way to deal with all this. So, you know, I would go out on the field maybe – it was frustrating because when I first got in the league, I was pretty athletic. You know, I wrote in the book, I used to throw the combine drills. I used to throw the receivers in the combine. Now, nobody would believe that because they see this, you know, grouchy old guy walking around <laughs> with a cane. But I was pretty athletic. And then, and then all of a sudden I wasn't. And I'm thinking, okay, now, yeah, here, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to hobble out there with a cane, but I can beat the hell out of that guy on the other side of the field. I know I can beat him. And that's just the attitude I took toward it. So in that regard, it probably helped me. The name of the book is Figure It Out by Coach Mike Westhoff. Uh, Coach is Mike Winone, the other, the third Mike in, in the booth tonight. And, and again, it's, I appreciate you pointing that out for us. Wonderful to have you in. Um, one of the things that came off, you know, the, the top for me in, in reading your book is, you know, you got 433 action-packed pages there of your life story, your career in the NFL, and, and of course, as you just mentioned, your, your, your struggles and, and your triumphs with, with health. Um, was this book something that you had had in mind throughout your career that uh, you thought about, you know, maybe someday I want to put down in, in writing, you know, what I've been through or, or, or my, my road, uh, so to speak, or was this something that kind of came out of nowhere and someone suggested to you? No, it's something I actually did think about um, that I always thought it would be a fun thing to do. I, I read a lot. I, I'm kind of a, a voracious reader and uh, of all different types of things. I always have been. And so I, I like that. I never really, believe, you know, I never tried to be a best-selling author. You know, I'm not James Patterson. So I, I, don't, I don't believe that. But it's something I, I really thought that I wanted to do, but yet I didn't prepare to do it. 
It wasn't like I kept notes mm-hmm. and I was ready to go. So when I started it, I started from scratch. And wow. trust, believe me, when I'm telling you, it started in all different fashions. Sure. I wrote parts and I thought this would be a good way to start and I went, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. And so I kept just picking away until I figured out how to really get it done. And then, uh, then from there, it just seemed like, uh, it was, you know, it's how I spent my pandemic vacation. <laughs> that, that's the book for me. That's <laughs> what I did, how I spent it. And well, so for over two years, uh, nearly every day, I would write from about 7.30 in the morning till around 11 or 11.30, almost every single day. Wow. And, uh, except when I would go fishing, but other than that. Sure. And so I went to work with it, but, uh, I always wanted to do it, but I was really not prepared. Well, it, it, for your first time out of the box, I, I mean, again, we have to be very complimentary and say that it's a yeah. fantastic read. And, uh, you know, not not for just a sports fan or someone in the, in the coaching world. Uh, I wanted to, you know, point out, of course, you know, today uh, the the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks and, and right. it, a somber day, uh, you know, across the United States. But um, I'd like to relate it just for a second. In your book, you speak very candidly, you know, again, about um, – its effect and, and you being in, in New York as a member of the Jets coaching staff on 9-11. Can you just for a minute maybe, um, you know, relay your thoughts on that day and, and how the players kind of came together and, and voted not to play and, and how that affected the rest of the NFL? It was, you know, it was such a somber day for all of it. It came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, who was, who was expecting that? You know, we had, it was our, my first year up there. Uh, we had opened the season with the Colts. We lost to a team which we were better than. We were better than the Colts. Uh, my part of the game wasn't anything special. I went into the Jets with probably after the last five years having had the best special teams in the NFL. And I went up there on opening day. I just looked like another guy. So I'm, so I'm sitting around, you know, I'm sitting around kind of, uh, kind of feeling a little sorry for myself and, and working on a game plan to get prepared for Oakland. Mm-hmm. My mother and father called and t- told me what they were watching on television. Uh, they had retired and were living in Pittsburgh and, you know, then it all, it all just came right to life before our eyes. Sure. And, uh, and you could walk outside and I, I ride my bike a lot and I would go out to exercise and I could see the smoke and you know, it was right down the street from us. And then we brought the team together. Now, it, the word was out in the NFL that, uh, the president, President Bush wanted to continue the season. He wanted to do that to show a resilience, which I understand completely. And so when the players came back and we started practice, it was so listless. It just wasn't there. Yeah. Our, our minds and our hearts were not there. And you can't, you can't play National League football when that's the case. You just can't do it. So when it came, we got Wednesday's practice, we survived, uh, it was, it was really not very good. And then Thursday, we came together and, and in the meeting and, uh, Terry Bradway, our general manager, who I, you know, was not very <laughs> complimentary of in my book. But in this, in this instance, he did a good job. And he talked to the players and he said, look, you guys have to make a decision. And, and we're going we're gonna, to, we want to hear it exactly and why. So we left, the coaches, we left and left them alone. Mm-hmm. And I know that Vinny Testaverde and Kevin Mawai and, 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 uh, Curtis uh, Martin. Curtis Martin, excuse me, uh, ran the meeting. They, they, they were the, they were the leaders. And when we came back after about an hour and a half or so, they made it very clear to us that coach, no matter what the penalty or no matter what the, the consequences, we can't get on a plane to go to Oakland to play. We sure. just cannot do it, and, and we're not going to do it. And so we supported them, and we backed them. Um, they, they had said that if that would happen, they would lose a, a you know, one of their game checks. Mm-hmm. And Actually, I did this one. I, I talked to Herman, and I said, if they're going to lose one, I'm giving one of mine. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And he agreed, 
and then he and I talked to the rest of the coaches, and we all agreed that, that we would support them in that fashion if it came to that. Yeah. And then so when the, uh, the, the, they had a conference call that day with all the, you know, the, the 32 owners and, um, and the New York Jets, from what I believe, now I, I wasn't there, so I can't swear to this, but they're the ones that led the charge and said, we're not going. We cannot do it, and we're not getting on the plane. And then, for, this is just what I heard, then the Giants fell right in. Mm-hmm. Said, we don't want to do it either. Sure. And next thing you know, America did the right thing. Yes. They took a timeout. Absolutely. Took a timeout. And it was the smart, and I'll, and I'll forever uh, believe that the New York Jets initiated it and started the whole thing and pushed to get it done. So I couldn't have been more proud with a group of people uh, of what they did. And so the whole thing, and then over the weekend that we took the team on a bus and we tried to go down to ground zero, but they we, they wouldn't let us in yeah. because there was some type of something had leaked and you know, there was some danger. So we went back and we helped unload trucks. But wow. I think what we did was the coolest thing ever. There were all these trucks lined up with, you know, water from all over the country or, you know, whatever. And we were helping to unload. Well, we didn't just help to unload. We grabbed every person in New York that we could find. Hmm. We, we went into bars. We went into restaurants. And we took everybody outside with us. Well, so next thing you know, you've got some housewife that's <laughs> unloading cases. But she's standing in the middle of a line with the New York Jets. Yeah. So they loved it. And, and we unloaded every truck that we could find. Because we had this, we, we got all these people involved. And so, um, for such a terrible, crummy, horrible thing, uh, we, we tried to, to, to make it work and do the best with it. Complete respect to the Jets for making that decision, Coach. And, you yes. know, you talk yeah. in the book a lot about your relationship with Don Shula. Can you talk right. about what, uh, to us about what it's meant to you to be mentored? Uh, as a young guy by one of the real, real Mount Rushmore type figures in the NFL. There's Lombardi, there's Landry, there's Shula, and I guess whoever else you want to put there. What did that mean to you? Don't forget, back then, in that period of time, the National Football League was run, and I mean run, by powerful coaches. They're the guys that were the bosses. You know, the Bill Walsh's, the Chuck Knowles, the Tom Landry's. You know, those, those were the kind of guys that... That, that really ran the league. And Don Shula, he was first and nobody was second. As I put in the book, he, he wasn't the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. He was the head coach of the National Football League. There is nothing that happened in the NFL that he was an integral part of, whether it was money situation, rules, the, the way the games played, television, challenges, you name it, Don was right in the middle of it. And uh, he loved that. He loved the game. Uh, he was a brilliant coach and he worked hard at it. I mean, he worked hard. You know, he would write everything and so to be, to be with him as long as I was, uh, was, was incredibly, uh, rewarding. Now, it, it was not easy. It started off, it was tough because he's hard. You know, and he, it's like you, you get nothing for free. <laughs> um, and the same way with me. You know, he was tough at me. But then, then he, he, he gained some confidence in me. Things that I did that worked. And, and then he wasn't, you know, Don would just look at you and say, it was a good job, man. And then <laughs> that was like the greatest thing could ever happen to you. But then I knew that I became one of his guys, and he really trusted me and he liked me. And so it was always, he asked me in my career with him, he probably asked me a million questions 
of which not one was ever a question. <laughs> Mike, uh, we'd go, we'd go, to, we'd go down to Mobile. They say, Mike, uh, you're, you're, you're going to get a car for us, right? You're going to get a car? <laughs> you know, how about getting a Cadillac? In other words, Mike, get your ass in there and get a Cadillac. Get <laughs> we used to go to a restaurant. He'd say, uh, you, you, you like gumbo, don't you, Mike? I'd say, yeah. And so, that's and coaching every, right there. It's, 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 that's just him. Yeah. That's who he was. He, he negotiated. He did a contract with me one time. We were going to Mobile. We had lost a playoff game. And we were, uh, Wayne Huizinga, we used to go to this plane, but we couldn't go this time. So we were at the airport. And they were boarding a flight. And, and Don said to this guy, the, the ticket guy, this is back before the, you know, the, the crazy security. He said, do you mind if we walk down there? We're going down the ramp and they're getting ready to board. So down to the plane. You know, now you can, now you, they, they'd shoot you if you try to do that. <laughs> but anyway, the guy said, yeah, sure. So Coach Shul and I were standing in the, you know, the, 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 the runway type thing, going onto the plane, right down before you get onto the plane. And now here they're starting to board the first-class customers. These guys are coming on this flight. Now, this is not our flight. Yeah. This is going to Detroit or somewhere. And Don said to me, he said, uh, you know, Mike, I know I know Bill Walsh got a hold of you trying to get you to go to San Francisco. And he said, I, I don't want you to go. I want you to stay with me. And this guy's getting walking in the plane. He said, yeah, Coach, don't go to San Francisco. <laughs> And Don said, this is how much money I'm going to give you. <laughs> All these guys are listening to my contract negotiations. But <laughs> with Don, it was just something that uh, you never thought a thing of. It's just It was just him, it's the way he did it. And to, to be part of it, I, I learned a lot. It, back around 2000, um, after Jimmy, got, uh, Jimmy had quit, you know, mm-hmm. Jimmy had kind of got a little bit worn out. And um, I should have gotten that head coaching job. I should have gotten it. I was extremely well prepared. Sure. And um, and I didn't. It just you know I went to. I don't even want to mention the guy's name. I just but, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we don't have to go there. No, no, don't do that. But it just um, <laughs> I learned so much from him. I really did. You know, you you don't get to sit there every day and be a part of what I was a part of without really absorbing something. So for me, it was the greatest, greatest of all times. I loved it. Once again, we're here with uh, Coach Mike Westhoff, his Twitter handle, at STCoachMike, uh, title of the book, Figure It Out. And, and uh, Coach, one of the things you had to figure out in a big way was the replacement players, 1987 during the strike. That was one of my favorite parts in the book when you mentioned Big Al and, and, and what, what he meant to the team. And could, you, could you speak to that just for a minute? Because I think, you know, in your career, obviously, you, you dealt with the best of the best, uh, high-level athletes. These are guys that, you know, their, their whole life was NFL football, and then all of a sudden you had to put a team together. Could you just speak to that for a second? Because I really enjoyed that. I loved it. I mean, it was one of my favorite times as an NFL coach. You know, we knew that there, we, we knew it was coming. You know, we knew that, that, that was the whole time, the off season, the training camp. There was nothing but every day was the, you know, what's going to happen. We played two games and you know, we won one and we lost one. Uh, and then they, and then they went on strike. So, yeah, but the league had made it clear that, that, that we were going to play with replacement players. Now, pretty much everybody had a plan. Some teams much better than others. You know, probably the Redskins, from what everybody understood, had the best plan. They were totally ready to go. Some people like Philadelphia with Buddy Ryan, he didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to deal with it. Uh, and they weren't very good. We were kind of in the middle, but you knew that Coach Shuler would get rolling. But so we bring these guys in and we have about, oh, 10 days or so 
which is really maybe 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 eleven days to get everything ready to play an NFL game. Unbelievable. So we gave them this condensed version. We put it together, and um, you know we just brought this team. Now some of them, a lot of the guys had been in NFL training camps. Mm-hmm. Some of them were older players that had you know had maybe been released that had played in the league for a little while, and were going to come back and play for a short time. Okay, there was a couple of them, not too many, and a lot of them were just guys who we just found. Sure. So you know we have a. The one guy that I talked about, Al Ring, he was a, uh, a guard at one of the big prisons. I think it's a prison up between, uh, I think it's south of Orlando, if I remember him telling me right. Somewhere, all I know is it's not the place you want to be, believe me. <laughs> this, is a tough, this is a tough place. And uh, he was a big, like six, two and a half, but he was all muscle. And he never only played minor league football, high school and minor league. And he was a little bit stiff, but he was tough as nails. Yeah. And so our very first day of practice, we're just in shorts. We had helmets on, but just shorts, no pads. And we're going through everything. And really, by the end of an hour and a half or two hours, we, we actually kind of looked like a little bit of a football team. Yeah. The longest thing, we're going to kick a couple field goals. <laughs> now, back then, you could line someone up on the center. Everybody did. And so I, I lined Al up because he was like a backup defensive lineman. This would be a good spot for him, right on the center and so, you know, I had the, I, I lined the defense up. I had the offense lined up, and I had a, a, a snapper, the kicker, and the holder. I really didn't know. I, I just I didn't know these guys. I knew they were. I knew them a little bit, but you know, here all of a sudden I've got them, and they weren't very big guys. They were all kind of little guys. And uh, and Al, he had this real deep, scratchy voice. He used to talk like that, and he stood there and he yelled. Uh, uh, he, he looked over at me and he said, Coach, I didn't come down here to BS. You know, <laughs> he said, so I'm just thinking, well, you know, I was just in shorts for my didn't he? But we snapped the ball. He hit our center <laughs> as hard as he could hit him. He ran him right over. He blocked the kick, knocked the kicker down into the holder. He was the punter. All three of my specialists, the long snapper, the kicker, and the punter, were all laying on the ground. I mean, they're like out. <laughs> Coach Luna looked at me. I won't even tell you what he said. Oh, I'm he was, sure he wasn't happy about that. He looked at what the that and, that and he walked away. He walked right in. It was the first time I've ever seen him do that. So now, well, now I got to reload. So I took this guy aside. I said, "You and I are going to have dinner tonight." <laughs> and, and I told him how to be an NFL player. You know, this is not a fist fight. Right. You know, it's not. You're not. You're not charging into a cell. You know, where 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 some inmates trying to do whatever to another to kill another. It's just not, this isn't it. And so, and then, and then there was this incident that he, he got banged up and he didn't get to play all the time. And then the one game up in Seattle, he he wasn't able to dress. And he came in the locker room because there was going to be trouble with another union. And he sure. told all of us, and his deep voice, don't worry. And he said, I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on you. And he loved me. And he was standing right. <laughs> he came to me and he said, and you don't have to worry about a thing. So during the national anthem, he was standing right next to me, and uh, it, it just gives you an idea of how special it can be. Absolutely, so many uh, funny stories was, in the book, was, Mike. He was, he, was, he, was, he was crying. Yeah, and he said, "This is the greatest day of my life." Wow, the greatest day of my life. I, I, that's so, I love that. You know, those kind of things you you, you never forget. You never forget. So many great stories, so many funny stories. I love the story about Earl Bruce. Um, I thought that was hysterical. I was dying laughing reading that on the train. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, uh, Mike, because my partner and I are both Giant fans. 
Um, you made a comment, and obviously you started the book a while back, that I thought was interesting, and we were talking about it off the air before you came on with us, was um, your opinion on Joe Judge. Uh, you said you thought he was going to be a good coach. I mean, we all thought so when he got here. Do you still hold that opinion, and do you think he's going to get another shot in the NFL? I frankly don't. I, I don't. I do not. Hmm. I, I don't think he will. Um, I, I thought he was well prepared. And the thing that I know, I heard from some of the guys who were working for him, who I know are friends of mine, that they liked what he was doing. And he was doing, he was really on the right path. Um, he, you know, really, it, the reason I say no is because now there's such a penchant for, uh, you know, the, 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 the qualified offensive coordinator that's been with some of the more high-powered offenses in the NFL today. Right. Those are the guy, the guy like, like I just watched the guy from Minnesota. You know, they came from uh, came from the Rams. Right. And, and they look pretty good. They look pretty good. I watched them. And so those are the kind of guys that I think are going to get a they'll have a much better chance. And plus, you know, Joe being really a special teams guy, not that he can't coach something else because he can, but in this day and age, the special teams don't have enough players. Yeah. To be honest with you, I actually think that really to try to evaluate a special teams coach in this day and age as to his being a head coach, I think is very difficult to do. When, when I was doing it, yes, you could because we had so many plays. I had so many opportunities, and I could do so many different things. I think I could prove myself. Yeah, your impact uh, on the game was, was much greater than, than it, you're allowed to at this point, as we discussed the last time you were on with us. That's correct. You're 100% right. That's exactly right. I wanted to ask you, Mike, because we have just about three minutes left. Um, you're very, very candid. Obviously, you're doing a lot of interviews now um, to promote the book, which is great. We love having you on with us. Have you gotten any blowback from GMs, former coaches, current coaches, former players that gave you a call or contacted you in some way and say, "Hey, Mike, you know what I what you said about me in the book was, uh, you know, kind of kind of rough." Uh, did you get any no, of that stuff? Not one. Wow. Not one. I've gotten I've gotten plenty of good ones. <laughs> the, 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 the players, the players love it. The play, the play. Now a lot of them were interviewed, and they loved the opportunity that I gave them to express themselves. You know, I didn't conduct the interviews. That's what Barry did. I didn't want to do that. That's the only part I didn't write. Mm -hmm. I, you know, they said it, and then he just he copied it down and sure. put it in. But uh, and I let them know I would not edit one word. I made it clear, and so they love they love being able to express it. They thanked me. I, so I've I've heard from every single one of those guys. But the guys I was a little bit tough on, no, not not one word. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I think I think in my opinion, I think I know why, because they know I didn't exaggerate. Right. They know I didn't lie. I told the truth. And so, you know, sometimes, and it, and it wasn't like I was just killing someone or crucifying them, because, um, you know, I, I know a lot of them did, it, did, it, did some things well. But I think they, they felt that I was honest. They have to know that I was honest, because that's exactly what happened. What I said in the book is exactly what took place. And if you don't like it, then you shouldn't have done it. That's how I look at it. Now, did I rat somebody out? No, I didn't. I could have made it a lot worse than I did. Trust me. Uh, you know, that'll, that'll be book two, I hope. I would. No, I don't know about that. But I would <laughs> talk to, and she would just tell me, you know, Mike, you, you got to dial that down a little bit. So I told her to dial down. I thanked her. I thanked her for helping me. 
Mike gave Coach Westoff's Twitter handle before. Let me give his Instagram handle. It's at Mike Westoff, H-O-F-F-8052 on Instagram. Once again on Twitter, it's at ST Coach Mike. Mike Westoff, the book is Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football Special Teams. It's been our pleasure, our honor to have you on for the second time, Mike. We can't thank you enough. Oh, guys, thank you. You bring up a, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun talking to you guys. And really, you watch the games today, uh, a little bit of special teams come in because for the first time, the kickers actually had to kick under some pressure. And there was a lot of misses oh, today. That's the reason. We were just talking about that before you came on, Coach. Yeah. Unbelievable. We thank you once again, Mike. Good luck with the book. I hope sales are great. For everybody out there, please do yourself a favor. Get this book and read it, folks. You will enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Continued good health. All the best. And we hope to talk to you again somewhere down the road. We're going to take a quick Anytime, please. Thank you. Bye. All right, Coach. Thank you. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, folks. We'll be back to talk some Jets, some Giants, some Mets, some Yankees, and your calls, 516-623-1240, right after this. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB 1240, 95.9 FM. We've got the phone lines open for the next hour. That means we want your calls, 516-623-1240. Anything you guys want to talk for the next half hour, we'll get into some Jets, we'll get into some Giants, a little bit later on some Mets and some Yankees. So, Mike, I don't know how much of the Jet game you caught today. Oh. It got away from them kind of early, and, you know, it turned out like the eggs I had for breakfast. It was over easy. Well, I have to admit, you know, we we make it clear we're Giant fans, but, you know, the Jets are an intriguing an intriguing ball club, and and someone in New York that we're obviously gonna gonna follow and root for. Um, you know, I was looking at some stats on the way in. When, when you look at this game, if I had told you, Mike, before the game that Joe Flacco is gonna go thirty-seven for fifty-nine, thirty-seven for fifty-nine. Did he really? Yes. I would have said a jet win right there. Three hundred and seven yards, and they score oh, only. Th- wait, wait, wait a minute. How do you complete? Th- 37 passes for only 307. Uh, those are called dump-offs. <laughs> yeah, thir- wow. 37 for 59. Lamar Jackson, 17 for 30. So anyway, seven, much more efficient, 213, three touchdowns. But, yeah, uh, 17 rushing attempts for the Jets, 59 passing 
Uh, that that's not going to get it done. And you know, game ten three at halftime. So you're figuring, okay, you know, perhaps we we got a little something going here, even though the game was god awful. Really, um, statistically, it wasn't out of control. But yeah, fourteen fourteen unanswered there in the third quarter, and then and then you could wrap it up. Yeah, I thought, and you know, the shame of it is, I thought the Jets were running the ball well early in that game, Mike, but they had to abandon it really quickly because uh, they turned it over, and then uh, the Ravens capitalized, and next thing you know, the game's getting away, and you're having to bomb away 59 times. Exactly. You know, Michael Carter, he he went 10 rushes, 60 yards, six six yard average. You know, 22. Look early. Absolutely, and they were they were going so, which is you know kind of odd, even though you know, like you said, they were they were down. And they had to go to the pass. They they obviously went way over the top pass wise. Flacco, you know, still still a, a, a very serviceable backup quarterback in the NFL. But asking him in in his first start against against the, the Ravens defense to, to throw the ball fifty nine times is, is you're asking for trouble there. Now, do you think that if they go out to um, trying to see who they have next. Oh, they have Cleveland next yes. week, right? So if you uh, if they lose that game and really lose it convincingly, can you hear the Jet fans clamoring for Mike White this early in the season? Because obviously it's been said by Solomon, Mike, that um, you're not going to see Zach Wilson until the Pittsburgh game, which is game number four. Yeah, I could. I mean, absolutely. If they if they lay an egg again offensively, I mean, what is the use of having Joe Flacco in there? Um, what are you What are you looking for? You're looking for that veteran presence that can put points on the board, and and move the team. And if that's not happening, I mean, what do you have to look forward to as a Jet fan? I mean, there's really not much going on. And after two games, if that is the case, uh, I, I would be one of those people if I was a Jet fan saying, "Hey, give me something else to look at here." Yeah, one thing I did notice with the Ravens today, though, I mean, I think Lamar Jackson's starting to get a little bit smarter, a little bit more selective about how often he runs and the reason he runs. He doesn't run just to have happy feet and scramble out of the pocket. It looks like now when he does run, he knows enough that um, to do it judiciously, to do it sparingly, and not put himself in bad spots where he's going to get himself hurt, and then he can make the throws that he needs to make, and he did that today. You can question a lot of things with Lamar Jackson. I question that he just turned down a $250 million extension from, from the Ravens, but he's got to be smarter than me for sure because, you know what, it lends itself to exactly what you're saying. He's keeping himself healthy. He's productive. And he's doing everything that the NFL wants in their quarterbacks right now in offense. So the Jets, as we mentioned, they travel uh, to Cleveland next week. The following week, another Sunday 1 o'clock game. They'll be home against Cincinnati. Tough one there, Mike. And then Sunday, the 2nd of October, another 1 o'clock game. They'll be at Pittsburgh. So we're hoping to see Zach Wilson in that game. so they say they say he's out at least three to four games. I mean, we had we had spoken about this a couple of weeks ago that when you're talking about someone with a, with a knee injury like he had and they had it uh, had to shave down his MCL. I mean, this is a young guy. Um, hopefully, he's ready to go and and the season's not completely out of whack by then. So we want to shift gears, folks, and we want your calls. If you're a Jet fan and you want to sound off, you want to give us your frustration, we'll hear that. If you're a Giant fan and you want to pop off about today's Big giant win. <laughs> My partner Mike Gadone's got his huge NY on his chest. He's pumped up, man. And I'll tell you, Mike, 
Um, at 13 nothing, I gotta be really honest with you. The Met game today was a blowout, we'll get to. The Yankee game today was a blowout, we'll get to. The Jet game turned out to be a blowout. And, you know, when it got to be 13 nothing, Tennessee, I said to myself, this is gonna be another blowout. Let me go eat dinner and I'll see if it's still a game and I'll come back. So, um, what did you think of uh, the Giants in the second half? Today? Well, you had, you had them down 13 nothing and, Kicking off to Tennessee to start the second yeah. half, so you, they were hoping to get the right. If you if you watch the game at the end of the first half, Giants completed a long pass. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, had about a half second left to get out of bounds, perhaps get a field goal. Couldn't do it, so you know, it was a little bit of a, a good feeling there. But it was like, uh, like you said, okay, now we got to go to the second half. We got to kick off. We're down thirteen. We have no points on the board. Um, but you know, the one thing that kept coming and coming all day. Saquon Barkley. I mean, boy, wasn't it good to see him back in action? 164 yards, had a 68-yard you know gain uh, earlier in the game, and just he looked like the Saquon of old. Yeah, and what was nice about it, Mike, he did not look tentative at all. He looked like, if you recall that one play, it was off left tackle where he just boom and lowered his shoulder into the guy, and he looked like confident that he could plan, that he could cut. Uh, he showed some speed. He showed some toughness inside, and that was what we wanted to see. I think the giant running game really needs to get going because, um, you know, the offensive line to me still does not look great for the Giants. It's tough. What do you think of, you know, Daniel Jones? They, they, they put him, I think, they put him in position to really succeed today, uh, you know, not throwing the ball you know, 30 to 40 times when your running game was working like that. How do you think of him, and, and do you think that he can he can be that quarterback to lead this offense? I thought Jones looked good for most of the day today. The one strip sack was completely from behind. I'm not going to put that on him. Yeah. That was uh, a giant offensive line again, Mike, that gave up five sacks on the day. And, I mean, you're a quarterback. You're getting ready to throw the ball. They can't keep the guy off your back for just a couple more seconds and, and get you a chance to, to just fling it downfield. Um, so I don't put that one on him. What concerned me was the one later on where he threw into the, end, the zone, end zone, got yeah. picked off. I said, oh, here we go again with this nonsense. I said, you know what? Um, and, and we've heard this criticism often of Jones, that he doesn't look off defenders. He stares down the receiver he wants to go to the whole time, and um, he just makes it obvious where he's going with the ball. And on that play, I thought he did exactly that. But listen, I thought he made some really good throws for, and, and you know my opinion on Jones. I've said this to you since we started. I said, listen, for people who don't think this kid has talent or can play, I don't understand what they're watching. Right. Well, it was refreshing, too, to see after that pick that you just mentioned in the end zone, if you were watching the broadcast, Brian Dable went over and, and chewed him out pretty well. I mean, Good. He, yeah, he it, should. He absolutely. And then came back and did well. So instead of going into a shell and, and just completely you know disengaging from the game, he stepped up and, and helped to win the game later on. So I, I was really happy with that. How about the, the, the defense, though, under, under Wink Martindale, giving up only seven points in the second half? I thought they did well. There were a couple plays. Now, again, it's early in the season where sure. um, we saw some of the stuff we saw when Shermer was here. <laughs> and, when, you know, uh, some of these other guys were here where guys are running around the secondary like chickens without heads, yeah. not knowing who they're to cover. I mean, that, that stuff is concerning to me. Obviously, no pass rush, no Ojolari, no uh, Thibodeau. So that made it tough. Um, 
in that way, Mike, uh, I didn't think the linebackers were great. I thought uh, Tay Crowder had a nice game. Um, but some of the guys in the secondary, I thought, had, had tough days. Uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, you mentioned Tay Crowder. And, again, I, I, I have the luxury of having all these stats in front of me. But seven tackles, four solos. Um, yeah, he was, he was all over the field all day long. Um, while the pass rush wasn't great or where we would probably want it, I was happy with the amount of blitzes that you saw. At least there was pressure being applied and, and trying to make something happen. Um, you know, and again, just to, uh, to go back, guys, anybody that liked it, Call in tonight, 516-623-1240, 516-623-1240. If you agree, if you disagree, if you're a defensive guy, offensive guy, or you're like, you know what, guys, enough football, let's get to baseball. We'll be to that in just a second. But we're talking, you know, on, on NFL Sunday on the first one, uh, a lot of exciting games and having having a giant win and, and a Jet well, the Jets played. I guess you could say that tonight. Uh, but it is, it is a big day football-wise. So yeah, um, heading back to the Giants, Mike. One and zero, and and we're going to see what happens for the first time since 2016. Yes, yeah, amazing. I mean, Mike and I walked in here. We were all smiles. We we're like, <laughs> you know, this is great. I mean, we're actually going to have a season. But you know, the big takeaway to me now, obviously, we're going to find out more about about Barkley and the other running backs, how much they can contribute. Um, we're going to find out a little bit more about your main man, Kenny Galdi. We're going to find he out. He some balls there today. <laughs> yes, he had two as you, catches. As you pointed out. To two me. catches, um, I believe, right? Any more than that or just those two? Well, I think he, I think after the two catches, he was so exhausted <laughs> he needed to take <laughs> the break. most he's worked in that two years. Um but in all seriousness, Mike, the, the one thing I'm going to take away that I'm really, really encouraged by was the coaching, yes. right? Now, how often in the past, especially the past six years, under McAdoo, under Shermer, under Judge, would that 13 nothing halftime deficit turned into 16 nothing, then 23 nothing, and then 30-7, to and that game would have gotten away from them? The fact that they were down on the road 13 nothing, and came back in that game, the defense, as you mentioned, looked much better in the second half. They were moving the ball much better. And so I put that at Dable's door. And what about the decision to go for it? You know, I'm, I'm sure you were listening to Bob and Carl on your way over. Oh, yes. As was I. And and Carl was like, no, nah, I'm not sure I want to do that. No, nah, I don't know if I'm doing that. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you know, I think both of them were a little bit surprised. You hit it right on the head. I mean, that's where all of us were thinking this game was going to go. But it, it just lends itself to me, I believe, in, in the coaching staff, when you're talking about belief. It's early. It's the first game in the season. But there had to be belief in that locker room in the second half that they were going to go out and play well. And you know what? It's easy to sit here and say, oh, you know, had they not converted the two-point play. It still was gutsy, and we would have been okay with it. Yeah, everybody, of course, people are fickle and would have been upset to some degree had it not gone through. But let's look at the big picture. That is a coach saying, guys, I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing, and we're in this together. I don't think that can be un- understated at this point in the season. I mean, it's unbelievable. So the Giants want to know they... Uh, they host Carolina next week, and of course now everybody's going to get on the giant bandwagon. Oh yes! Well, listen, we just went down to Tennessee and beat them, so we're going to beat Carolina, of course. Oh, they'll be talking about playoffs all of a sudden. <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> um, so you know, um, and then after that, Mike, week three they have Dallas. Ooh. 
on a Monday night game, which, you know, listen, we stink on Monday night, but I, at least I believe that game is in our building, is it? Yes, and if we can get into that game, or we, if the Giants can go into that game 2-0, and just to have a little juice three games into the season against against Dallas. You know, Dallas is playing, uh, you know, as we speak, started tonight. But each Philadelphia won today, Washington won today. So at the very least, the New York football giants will be tied for first place when this evening is over. And how does this happen, Mike? This is what I want to know because I, I don't understand why I'm the only one who ever talks about this, okay? How do the Giants get well, – well, how does Washington get – the Jaguars week one, Philadelphia gets the Lions, the Lions. week one, yeah. and here's what we have for you, Giants. Go down to Tennessee <laughs> and t- and play the Titans. That's a woo. Um, that's one of these. To to figure out the NFL scheduling, you, you literally need like a, a degree in economics and and business and probably business ethics because it makes it makes zero sense. The, nah, I think somebody at the NFL office has a has a. Uh, uh, you know what for the Giants, all right? I don't want to say the word on the radio. Well, just just while we're looking at it, again, the, the, try being a fan of, of the AFC South today. The the team in first place today is 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 two of them: Houston and Indianapolis at 0-0-1, <laughs> Jacksonville at 0-1, and Tennessee at 0-1. Now, now there there's a fun day to, for talk radio in the South tomorrow. But the funny part is. That's the division we play this yeah. year. We're playing all those teams, but we don't get them until the second half of the season. So, you know, all other things aside, Mike, I think it was really important for the Giants to get out of the gate quick. Um, I think it was really impressive being down again on the road, 13 nothing, coming back and winning that game, going for two at the end of that game, making it, and then the defense uh, hanging on by the skin of their teeth and forcing a missed field goal at the end. I'm sure if we had... Coach Westhoff on here with us right now. He would he would agree. Any road win in the NFL is a solid win, no matter who you're playing, whether whatever the record is. On opening day, when you go and you're playing a playoff team with a new coaching regime in there, that's huge. And you know what's funny? I mean, today was supposed to be such a good sports day. We're like, all right, Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets. So Yankees two hour rain delay, and then finally the game started. And by that time, the Jet game was you know more or less over. So I said, "All right, this works out good. I'll go right over to the Yankees." There was tennis today too, but we didn't even have to get. Oh, that. all right. Well, we'll squeeze that in like the last uh, twenty seconds. I no, guess. No, 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 no. Uh, so, you know, and and the Yankee game, the Yanks got off to a great start as they did yesterday as well. Uh, kicked Tampa's rear end, and so I said, "All right, that's great." Now, by the time the Giant game starts. I can go over there and, and, you know, I said, isn't the irony here, the one game that turned out to be a good game was the Giant game, and we couldn't watch the end because we're coming here to do a sports show. Well, you, you, you bring up, again, baseball, you know, as, as we're getting here towards the, uh, the, the fourth quarter of our show today, uh, 516-623-1240, um, you know, a lot of, lot of good feeling, uh, as a Giant fan, but also as a Met and, and Yankee fan, we were we were saying, Mike, on the way in about how the Yankees hopefully have turned the corner, and now it's it's one of those things where they are, uh, you know, going to put some distance, or at least they don't have to see Tampa Bay anymore. Um, the, maybe the the fire Aaron Boone chants are, are going to be a little bit 
less coming out of the Bronx now? I think so. Okay. I mean, that game Friday night was tough. And then, you know, yesterday, as I said, Mike, they jumped on on Tampa really quick. It was against Kluber, too. They they um, they um got seven base hits in a row to start the game and knock Kluber out of the box after two-thirds of an inning. Okay, so then today they got off to a quick start despite the two-hour rain delay. And they were up. 10 to 1 before I, before I knew it. So I said, this is great. Um, and what's great about it is they have a couple easy series coming up. And they also have, as I mentioned to you off the air, two days off this week. That's huge. At this time of the year, you, you never see that. There's generally, there's so many rain, rain outs and rain delays that, that guys are playing throughout the entire month of September. So two days off, that's enormous. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what they can do with those couple days off, right? I mean, Stanton, you and I have talked about this so many times. The guy is just the streakiest player that you ever knew. Ever. Um, coming off the IL, he went through a period where, Mike, he looked awful. Oh. He looked like a little leaguer up there. He looked like he forgot how to swing the bat. Yeah, and, and now he's had homers the last two days. So Stanton, I'm hoping, is back on the beam. Uh, Glaber is showing signs of coming out of his funk a little bit. Donaldson's coming back from paternity leave, as is Trevino. <laughs> they they had great timing, the two of them. There must have been something in the water for yeah. nine, nine months ago with yeah. those guys. Yeah, so I said, you know, and, and then by, I think it is next Sunday, you're supposed to get Rizzo back. And Rizzo is, as you know, so important to that lineup. Hugely important. And and I've always talked about how tailor-made he is. For, for the Yankees, for Yankee Stadium, great glove, you know, left-handed bat, short porch out there. But just his professionalism, and, and he's, he, you can talk about the rest of the team, but this is a guy who, who helped the Cubs, you know, break a curse, and he, he brings a lot of intangibles to the Yankees that they need. I would think, though, that also, Mike, the, these two days off helps set up the pitching staff, the rotation. Absolutely, yeah. So they, um, what they did was start Herman today. They only gave him an inning. So everybody watching the game is on social media and say, hey, did Herman get hurt? Why are you taking him out? So Boone gave Cash um, a, a dose of his own medicine. He said, you know what? I know you have a double header tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. And I can pull a bullpen game here without having it hurt me. You can't do that because you have two games tomorrow. I have none. And, you know, so... Um, Boom was in the catbird seat from the uh, from the start of that game. It was really, I said, you know, this is this is a nice yeah. thing here. Put Tampa away, and now they head up to to play Boston up up to Fenway for the next uh, next couple of nights. So September baseball in Boston doesn't quite hold the the charm that it normally does, but there's nothing better, I'm sure, as a Yankee fan watching them hopefully beat up on the Red Sox. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk Mets for a few okay. minutes, Mike. Um, you know, last couple days. Really beat up big time on the Marlins. And um, they've got the Cubs, I believe, next. couple easy series Cubs coming and, up. Cubs and Pirates coming in. So um, what do the Mets need to do as they're <laughs> a game and a half back right now to get the Braves off their back once and for all? Let me get this gum off my shoe and, and get them in the rearview mirror a bit. I don't know if that's possible because the Braves, just when you think that they're they're down, although they they lost they lost a crazy game today, scored five runs in the top of the ninth to take the lead, and then lost on two walkoffs. You ne- that has not happened to the Braves this year, so it's kind of it's kind of a little good mojo as as a Met fan. But um, I happen I happen to work 
with with a lot of Met fans. And I'll give a shout out to my my man Vinny and and Vic and the and the rest of the crew, Bill there there in, in Westbury, who are listening tonight. And they said, Mike, what you have got to say is you got to tell what do the Mets need. What the, what we kept talking about, and and this might have sounded like you know like like kids in in sitting around, but um, it was like somebody's got to go out there and take somebody's head off. The next time somebody gets hit by a pitch, how about we go out like send somebody out there because they needed a spark, right. right? They they needed something. Well, I'll tell you what, I agreed with that wholeheartedly. And the other day when 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 they got down you know early to. Friday night, and, and we're going, oh, here we go again. And then all of a sudden, they got a 10 spot on the board. It's amazing when when the bats wake up, you don't have to wake up the fists anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I know that you've had concerns since early in the season about the bullpen. Um, you felt, as many Met fans did, that they failed to really adequately address not so much the back of that bullpen. Diaz, as we mentioned, has been great. Absolutely. has been good in the setup role. Uh, so late in the game, they're fine. But um, do you still feel that's a glaring weakness uh, at the front end of the bullpen? Nobody has really stepped up to take that role. I mean, you mentioned Adovino. He, he, he pits today. I mean, they had a huge lead, but he's, he's done a fantastic job. Lugo's been a little up and down. He came in, gave up two runs, but it was kind of garbage time anyway. Um, but yeah, that, that middle left-handed specialist reliever, you know, we were talking about Joely Rodriguez, who, who is a former Yankee. He, ha- he hasn't stepped up. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely a concern. Um, but what was not a concern, which I was very, very happy with two weeks ago when we were talking about Taiwan Walker, right? He comes out today, seven innings pitched, five hits, one run, ten Ks. Now again, it's the Marlins. It's the Marlins, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like pitching to the JV. But hey, seven innings. So we we were, I was concerned because I didn't think he was throwing right. So now you have him, Carlos Carrasco, who did a heck of a job. Bassett, who kind of stopped the bleeding the other day. Degrom is doing his thing. So so while you know we're kind of treading water here hoping that the injuries and, and the left side fatigue or whatever whatever is troubling our other star pitcher at the moment, um, that'll get us through. But, yeah, that listen, what does postseason do? It shows your warts. It shows your, your shortcomings. Absolutely. And, and you can't hide weak bullpen play in the playoffs. Just can't. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. And as even as these two teams are right now, Mike, can you talk about – how important it is going to be for the Mets to hold on, even if it's by the skin of their teeth, one game at the end of the season, and hold off the Braves um, and get that nailed down that number two spot in the playoffs. Oh, for sure, because you're talking about now the, the Mets have been in first place or were in first place the entire season through mid-September. The other day, gave up the lead, but now have gotten it back. So um, it, it's it's important for seeding for who you're playing, but also just mentally. I mean, if you're if you're grinding, Francisco Lindor was talking about the grind and pushing through, and everybody being kind of tired and um, you know really trying to get get through the wall. And when you when you're in that first place and and you're fighting and you're pushing, you lose it, and then you get it back. 
Yeah, it's it's hugely important whether you're a professional baseball player or, or you're you know you're a high school guy. So just just holding on, if we can do that, I'm sure Buck Showalter would say, look, as long as we're in the playoffs and our team is healthy, you know he's he's going to say that. But if you had him here, and you're going to have to burn uh, exactly. Rom and, and Scherzer and all these sure, guys, absolutely. You know, in the first round, uh, right. just to get to. Uh, you know where where Atlanta would be at, right? Yeah, you don't want that. And, and you know, with Scherzer, um, am I really nervous, or are Met fans nervous? You have to be a little bit. I think they're almost they're being super cautious with him right now. There's no need to really bring him out while they're 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 a game up or they're right there. But you know, this is he's he's now been on on the IL twice this year. Um, it's never a good time, although thankfully now he's on and, and DeGrom is healthy and, and going. But it's just, it is, it's hold your breath and, and hope that the Braves, I mean, they've been absolutely unreal for for the stretch since the All-Star break. And hopefully they're going to cool off here just a touch. We've got just a couple minutes left. Are you satisfied with where the offense is right now? I know Pete Alonzo was slumping for a little while. Uh, has he come out of it to your satisfaction? And, and is everybody else in the lineup doing what they need to right now? Well, it, it seems, yeah, Pete, Pete's been streaky. He's, he's nowhere, he's nowhere near, uh, you know, the other players that we were talking about before with Stanton, but um, yeah, he he's been kind of up and down. But you're still his power numbers have been good there. He he had you know he's one for five today, but uh, I'm sorry, two for five. He seems to be pulling out of it a little bit. The one thing that the Mets have at least at this moment is a little bit of depth in the DH. They they brought up Mark Vientos from from AAA. Is he going to stay? I don't know, but it gives them another bat. Not at all for five. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. But they had they had brought up Brett Beatty before. He did a nice job. You know maybe. He comes back. Um, th- at least there's enough pieces there to where I, I don't think anybody feels they have to carry the team. You know, Nemo's been, he's been fantastic. He he was two for four today. Had a home run. Uh, Mark Can has been great. I know where'd he come from. So uh, I think McNeil three twenty two. He's hitting, I believe, at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good about it. And and as long as as we just keep these guys healthy, and if someone slumps just a touch here towards the end, they don't feel like they have to carry the team. We've got a minute left, Mike. Tennis, tennis. Oh, Let's go. Come on. Who's I, in the final? I have no well, idea. Well, Carlos Alcaraz was from Spain. I don't even know how he did. I was hoping somebody was going to call in one of our tennis fans. Wow. But uh, let me just give a quick shout-out. Francis Tiafo. Yes. Francis Tiafo. Yes. Semifinals. Uh, first American male in the, in the semifinals of the Grand Slam since Andy Roddick. First African-American male. In the finals of the U.S. Open since Arthur Ashe. Really? Has yeah, it been that long? It has, wow, been, that's it has wild. been that long. Um, so while, listen, we had uh, on this Sunday where you're talking about the Giants, the Jets, the Mets, and the Yankees, of course. The U.S. Open, I appreciate you bringing it up because as a tennis guy, the, the amount of money that it brings in is one thing, but, um, it, it is one of the top four tennis tournaments in the world considered by many to be the best, but although I think most people will tell you Wimbledon. But what a great day when you're talking about five huge sporting events in New York City. Again, on a tough day, 9-11, but uh, you know, our thoughts are with everybody, but thank goodness we have sports. All right, so Mike and I are back in three weeks, folks. That's going to do it for us. Thanks very much to Brian Graves, and we'll see you in a couple weeks on Sports Talk New York. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.